Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. I just want to speak for 15 minutes. I'm going to actually cut the message a little bit. But I felt that there was a story that the Holy Spirit wanted to remind us of this afternoon. And so I'm going to tell the story. And... Um, I'm going to start with telling you and reminding you of the actual historical Thanksgiving story that happened in 1620. And um, in our homeschooling room, we've been doing this section of history. So it combined very well with the theme that we were busy with. And so we really delved into Thanksgiving over the last two weeks or so. There was this little ship called the Mayflower, and it left Um, Plymouth in England in September 1620. September's not a good time to leave because it's just about to be winter. But this ship of 102 passengers crossed the Atlantic. It took them 66 awful, stormy days. And it was a ship full of um, Puritans. They were looking for a new world to express their religious beliefs in freedom, they were being persecuted, and then a whole bunch of other people that were just looking for the prospects of a a whole new world. And um, throughout that first brutal winter, most of the colonists actually remained on the ship, but they got riddled with disease and scurvy. By the end of the first winter, there were about 50 people left. So about half of the people passed away within the first winter. And as they embarked on their boats and they got to the shore again at the beginning of spring, they they met a Native American, an Indian, who could speak English. How's that moment? And he came and engaged with them and then disappeared and came back a little while later with a second man who'd actually been um, kidnapped by the English years previously and sold into slavery by the British. He'd escaped and made his way back to America, but he could speak English. And he taught these pilgrims, these colonists, how to plant corn, how to plant their seed, where to plant their seed, how to forage for the local berries, and how to to look for the wildlife that they could utilize. And he actually began to be involved in the establishment of this colony um, in what is now Plymouth in Massachusetts. So in November 1621, a year later, the pilgrims had their first corn harvest and Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast of thanksgiving that they had actually survived the year and not only survived, but they had become established, that they, they had become safe. And it was this beautiful moment of thanksgiving to God of like the first fruit of what they had received that year. And they got together with the local um, Native Americans and feasted together. Um, and this happened kind of throughout American history and it was formalized by our favorite American president, uh, Abraham Lincoln, in 1863. So it's a beautiful story. And why have we adopted it? So we're a German South African family but we have kind of an American link through one part of the family. So you'll find in our Christmas traditions, we've got lots of Germany and we have definitely adopted the Thanksgiving from our American cousins. Why? Because actually we are pursuing kingdom culture in our family and Christmas can embody that, but Thanksgiving is this beautiful biblical theme of stopping 
to give thanks. It's a, it's, it's a culture that we see that Jesus actually developed in his ministry. He would stop before a miracle, before multiplying the food for the 5,000, or before breaking the wine, the, the bread, and drinking the wine, which simplified, uh, symbolized his body, or at different moments he would stop and he would just give thanks to the Father. It would like come out of his heart. There's a moment where he sends the 70 out and they see people healed and they see people free, set freed from demons. And as they're ministering, Jesus sees Satan topple to the ground. Isn't that, I mean, it's just so super profound. It's in Luke 10, I think. And he stops and he says, I thank you, Father, that you are the God of heaven. It's like the thanks, the gratitude just wells up within his heart. And so thanksgiving is a culture that Jesus gave us. And Jesus is not just this model of us like that we need to become. He's actually within us. The presence of Jesus is within us. So I have found that as I've yielded more and more to his presence inside of me, gratitude becomes more normal. You know, we do teach children like, say thank you when you get a present, say thank you even if you don't like the present, <laughs> say thank you for having me. There's like a discipline to saying thanks and to gratitude and it's good to have disciplines in our life when we don't feel like saying thank you. But I want to encourage you actually that the point of gratitude is to yield into the presence of Jesus within you because I find it like a little bit of a litmus test. If I'm full of lack and frustration and there's just no gratitude, it's quite a good sign that I haven't been fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit for a little bit. But when I actually allow him to speak and I focus my attention, the, gratis, the gratitude actually starts to come up inside my heart. So another reason, and this is the story that I want to just paint the picture of this afternoon, another reason why I love the Thanksgiving story so much is it because, it's because it is the most beautiful allegory of salvation and the brave new world of the kingdom that we get to embark on. Um, I'm, I'm pretty stuck in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is busy preaching about the kingdom of heaven is here. And he just tells stories and he teaches his followers and his friends, what does the kingdom of heaven look like? It is a new world order. It is a new way to live. It is a completely new world that is opening up for them. And they take quite a while to actually, for the eyes of their heart and the the ears of their heart to be open. So he tells them stories that lead them into the reality of what the kingdom of heaven actually is. So when I think of the old world, and I see these pilgrims, okay, the old world from which we have all come that we set sail from through the person of Jesus is a world that was limited by human weakness. It's a world under the law of sin and death it is sick with this ancient disease of separation from God, where we were constantly trying to do better and be better, but we were powerless under the power of sin. We've all come from that place, all of us. And under that world order, the mantra is never good enough. You could try and try and try, but under the law, no one ever, ever measured up. It was just never good enough. And so 
fear and anxiety and this cloud of depression and sadness kind of governs this old world. And then there is the cross. There is Jesus. And he's like this ocean that we've gone through. The cross is, he is the way, he is the gate through which we travel through into a brave new world. And you may say to me, well, it doesn't look very, very different from maybe someone that's living next door. I want to tell you the truth is it is completely different. It is a brave new world that we have walked into. So the blood of Jesus made a way into this world. He took our sin-dead lives and the curse of the old order, and he made us alive in him. We are a brand new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You belong to Christ and have become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I know that sometimes sounds far-fetched because it's not like we have no problems or no hurt or no disappointment or no challenge. We face all of those things in the reality of this new world but he has changed everything on the inside. We have inherited the life of the kingdom, and this is now our starting point. We are a new creation in Christ. We are his sons and daughters. And so now what do we do? The words, adventure. The words, explore with Jesus. The words, discovery. We actually need to get quite pumped about the reality of the life of the kingdom that is within us and the adventure that we get to walk out with Jesus. Romans 8 says, what do we do? We embrace what the spirit of Jesus is doing in us. Trust God's action in you. Focus your full attention on God and he will lead us into an open, free and spacious life. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. That is freedom from trauma. It is freedom from disappointment. It is freedom from hurt and depression. It is freedom in him. And sometimes there is a process to walk, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say, don't forget that this is a brand new world in Christ. In this brave new world, we are free to live by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. It is a world of grace and kindness where we face challenge and opposition, just like the pioneers did. But nothing separates us from his love, and the Spirit of Christ empowers his life in us. We get to live not separated and alone and struggling by ourselves. We get to live embraced by a Father who is always for us and always kind. We get to live in friendship with Jesus, his Holy Spirit living with us, our constant fellow traveler. So the exhortation in Romans 8 is focus your attention. Focus your attention on what the Holy Spirit is doing and what he is saying because you want to start exploring that new world. The new world that has become a reality inside of you, which is Christ and his kingdom. You actually want to begin to explore that in a deeper and deeper way in your inner world and you'll see it begin to manifest in the life around you. Ephesians 1 in the message, 
We don't let the old world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell us how to live. Sometimes we need a reminder because we want to hop back in those boats and swim across to the other side, especially when we face opposition. We want to rely on ourselves. Trust and belief can be hard in those moments of challenge. But don't let the old world teach you how to live. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for, this glorious life adventure. There isn't another guru who will tell you how to live well. It is Christ who has a glorious adventure of discovery in the new world of the kingdom for you to live out in and through your life, your marriage, your family, your community, where you are. Of course, the world of the kingdom is different from the pilgrim story because the world of the kingdom is not about the colonization of land. It's about the colonization of the human heart. It's your internal world that is completely different. But it's that world um, and the Holy Spirit within you that teaches you how to live in this one over here. So one of our values, um, and you'll see on our website, is on earth it is as it is in heaven, everyday living. And this is where we get to experience God in every part of our lives, every part of our ordinary lives. And I think of the pilgrims in those, that, that, those moments, you know, planting their crops and establishing their lives in the new world. And I got Mila to write a piece about that this week, and she made the most pro profound little comment. She said, um, the pilgrims' vision in their heart was a flame that kept burning to guide them through those days of deathly winter. And I think that's exactly what we need to have, that flame of the vision of the kingdom of God in our hearts to guide us steadily through those days that can be so challenging and so disheartening um, and, and where we want to just hop in those boats and go back to the old kind of thinking. So I'm going to end by showing you a little music video that actually stirred some of these, these thoughts. But when I look back at the life that I've lived in this last year, I want to I reflect on where I see the kingdom of God established. I want to see where I have adventured with Jesus and where his kingdom has been more deeply established in my life. And that's what I want to be most thankful for. So I can be so thankful for the gifts of provision and all of those things that come naturally to mind, my family and my marriage. But I actually want to take a moment to think back, Lord, where do I see your kingdom having been established this year? Where did I yield to your Holy Spirit in my pain and trauma and hurt? Where did I yield and actually see forgiveness come? Where did I see reconciliation come? Where did I feel fear in my heart, desperate fear, and want to make my own plan in different situations? And I allowed my heart to hear your voice, and I found safety in your voice, and I kept going. Where did I give you my yes when I wanted to shout my no? Where did you challenge me on my behavior? Um, where did you find me frustrated and angry? And where did I yield to your Holy Spirit and see patience? and joy and long-suffering. That's where I want to look at my life. Can you see, like a pilgrim, and see where's the Holy Spirit's been planting the fruit? Where is the land in my life that I am taking in this new world? Where am I establishing that in my heart, in my relationships, in the spaces, the things that we're pursuing, the dreams that we're pursuing? Where can I see 
this brave new world being established in love and in kindness? Where am I relating to the father more and more as a loving and good daddy and not as someone that I can't trust? Those are the kind of questions that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to remind you. Have you, have you set your eyes on this brave new world? Have you yielded to the Holy Spirit, calling you deeper into the adventure that he has for you? So I'm going to end with this scripture, Romans 8 from the message. When God lives and breathes in you as he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from a dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? The old order, we don't owe it anything. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing is what actually happened at the moment of salvation, is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. There are adventures for 2019, guys, in the Lord. There are dreams to, to, to pursue. There are businesses to open. There are projects to pursue. There are amazing things that he has in store for you. But there's also just that kingdom to be established in your life, the fruit and the, the, the goodness of the reality of the kingdom of God in your life that he wants to see established. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It is, here's the key word, adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. I'm going to show you this and this is where we're going to end and then I'm going to pray. It's a four-minute video and... Um, it starts with a story of, I'll read it out to you, but a, a man who's stuck on a ship of pain and disappointment and fear. And there's, his friend is on the shore calling for him to come and to burn that ship and to walk into the fullness of the new world that has been promised him. And I just want you to watch it and um, enjoy it. And I, I want you to just yield to the Holy Spirit in this moment. Is there something in your heart or your life right now where you tend to pursue God and the wholeness of living in him? And then there's this thing, maybe it's a relationship or a hurt or an addiction or whatever that makes you get back into that boat and want to paddle and want to hide and want to move away from. And if that thing comes to mind, Let's maybe say to the Holy Spirit, it's time to burn that thing. It's time to be all in. Bill Johnson says that God, let me find what he says. We owe God the absolute abandonment of our yes. Hey, as he calls us, as he speaks, as he changes our internal world with his voice, we owe him our yes. Yes, Jesus, it is painful right now. I would rather hide. I would rather run but yes, and that's a daily yes. That's a moment by moment yes. So maybe the Holy Spirit will highlight for you something where you tend to run back to that ship. Let's allow him to burn those ships and carry on in the adventure he has for us. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.